Right then, you lot. So now that the Eurovision Song Contest for 2023 is dead and buried, as part of our traditional Eurovision calendar, in tonight's playlist, we're going to pay homage to this year's winning country, which is, of course, Sweden. We're going to Sweden and only Sweden and absolutely nowhere else, especially not Finland. So don't even think about it. <laughs> cha cha cha. <laughs> no, I'm not bitter. Uh, what's good evening in Swedish? Gukvel. Ooh. <laughs> and welcome to yet another Eurobliss masterclass. I'm here with me Juan, who is what percentage Swedish are you, by the way? What in what way are we talking about? Just any old way. Just say a number. Uh, let's just say I'm thirty percent Swedish. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, and between us, we're gonna. Pick you up off the floor after the angst of this year's show and bitch slap some life back into you. Now, are you very excited to do another Swedish show? <laughs> Let's say yes. Let's say yes. <laughs> and we're off to Malmo next year, which is your hometown. How do you feel about that? Love it. Love it. Malmo was great last time. And considering how, how good it was in Liverpool, I think having a smaller sized city hosting Eurovision works really well because it sort of takes over the whole place and Malmo will be fantastic. We're going to be there, aren't we? Yes. Actually, <laughs> everyone there is already making plans, freaking out and like already or starting to organize it. So it's going to be really, really well organized and everything's, I think it's going to be amazing. Well, it's all about time planning. You've only got about another 45 weeks to go, exactly. there, do you know what I mean? I mean, comparison to like Italy and England. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the songs we've picked for tonight's playlist are, no, are by no means a definitive collection. We've even had to swerve past some of our favourites that we played in recent podcasts. Check out the archives. Uh, so we can give some of those less obvious songs a day out obviously we can't play all 62 swedish songs within a one hour time frame but we've chosen songs to complement our previous best for sweden podcast from november 2018 and we've got some classic songs coming up and a couple of shit ones with some light and shade <laughs> uh, what's your favorite and least favorite swedish song oh my god i think my favorite of all time is Vita Vido. Still, I'm the same Still, on you. Yeah, yeah. But actually, there is one that is um, maybe threatening that. And <laughs> it's actually on this show. More of that later. Yep. So let's begin our journey and straight to where we find ourselves knee deep in bird shit. It's 1961. Barbara Margarita Svensson, aka Little Babs, with her black and white song celebrating the joys of springtime. It's primarily about birds chirping, fashion, socks in particular. And you see, us oldest would appreciate this. I'm blaming Pearl Carr and Teddy Johnson, who set the tone three years previous with Sing Little Birdie Sing. The Eurovision of the 60s, they loved birds. Indeed, the Finnish people did birds the following year in 1962 with Marion Rung and Tippy T. So birds were a big thing back then. This song's called April, April, which translates as April. April, and there's a lovely line in it. <laughs> all the boys, all the boys are happy that the woolen socks are changed to like nylon by the girls, and I think we can learn a lot from that. Uh, this is a little bit weird, actually. Lil Bab, she didn't sing this particular song at MF. It was performed by another artist. But for some reason, Lil Babs, who came second that year in 1961, she replaced the original singer. And the Swedes did this a few times in those early years. They'd have their MF 
and then they choose a different artist <laughs> to sing the winning song. I mean, how pissed off would you be? Makes no sense. Um, here's some small prints. This song contains a lot of whistling. Pour yourselves a sherry and enjoy. And Juan's going to tell you what he thinks about this song in three minutes' time. <laughs> Pigga glada fåglar sjunger kvitt, kvitt, kvitt Alla västanvindar leker glatt, tappat Alla sippor målar ängarna i vitt, vitt, vitt Alla flickor provar ut sin nya hatt Alla pojkar gläds att yllestrumpan Av stumpan byts mot ljus nylon April är det gör ingenting att vintern varit svår När du nu till sist slår ut ditt blonda hår En vår är här igen Och jag är kär igen En vår det är så Att det är den jag väntat på April infekterar mig med kärlekens bacin Sinnar kan du lura vart du vill Prosecco. Uh, so Lil Babs is kind of a bit of a Swedish icon for some. Uh, but not for others, is that what you're saying? Yeah, not for others. And <laughs> this is just not for me. Like, I am trying to find something to say, but my brain is resisting and just wants to escape the boredom. That's your ADHD though, isn't it? Yeah, oh, absolutely. But, you know, the ADHD needs stimulation. And what is this stimulating? Uh <laughs> The reason for the boredom is that the song doesn't really, it doesn't really say anything, uh, neither musically nor lyrically. It's just trying to be like as pleasant and non-abrasive as possible. A bit like uh, Eurovision toilet paper. And uh, so I am wiping and flushing. Thank you, next. <laughs> oh, you're vile. <laughs> yeah, but it's 1961, what do you expect? Uh, little Babs there. Right, let's move on a few years to 1966. Sweden came second with a wonderful jazz piece which translates as the old new waltz and in brackets, the hip 
pig breeder. It's about a pig farmer and a princess called Kunigunda. And I wanted to ask you mm-hmm. if Kunigunda was a typical Swedish girl's name or were her parents, the king and queen, having a bit of a giggle? <laughs> Kunigunda is absolutely not a typical <laughs> Swedish name. But actually, it is sort of reminiscent. I mean, I'll get to this later. It is sort of reminiscent of like a witch's name or something like that in an old Swedish story. Like, like a Rapunzel or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, the princess part was being played by the one, wonderful Lillian Forrest, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, who is more noted for her wardrobe malfunction when presenting the 1985 contest in Gothenburg. And the part of the pig breeder, the hip pig breeder, was played by Svante Thurston. The storyline here, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, basically the two meet and the princess likes the way the pig breeder drums on his saucepans. The fact that they made a song about this is incredible. Um, And of course, she wants to have a go. uh, So they trade places and she has a go on his saucepans and makes a right mess of it. So the moral of the story is never lend your saucepans to a princess. Now, there weren't very many duets in the 1960s, so this stood out a mile as being perfectly charming and totally nuts. However, analysing this performance, it's very interesting to note that they chose not to to perform this face-to-face. She's standing with her back to him throughout the whole performance, allowing her to look back at him with these cheeky little grimaces and rolling her eyes. And it just works so beautifully. And I can't think of any other Eurovision duets that's been performed like this. It got 16 points. 15 of those 16 points came from Norway, Denmark and Sweden. So the Scandies doing tactical voting way before Greece and Cyprus were invented. <laughs> Let's listen to this lovely song. Woohoo! <laughs> Det låter skönt, den ljuder grönt, en live-a-klang Vi har ett avtal, ta det lösning Jag blir hipsringa, är det du, kungen, kung? 
Först man är himmel Ja då min dröm Eller man tar min kastrull Han som prinsessa Gick man i klips Fyrades runt hovet Av en patron I love that, but I think you've got quite a lot to say about it, haven't you? Oh, yes, because I really, really, really like this song. Yes! Um, Jazz was massive in Sweden, and you can really tell the influences with this song. The lyrics are kind of jazzed up as well. They're almost like making up words and changing them in a playful way to the point where you you recognize what they're trying to say, but just sort of barely. And maybe that's how they got away with singing lyrics like this in 1966. Because they're referencing what starts as a flirtation between a princess and a pig herder. Uh, so it sounds almost like, you know, an old folk song. And this song is called like the new old waltz, right? Uh, he is complimenting her dress and she really likes the big pan he has and how he plays it like a drum. But throughout the flirtation, uh, it sort of morphs into something else. And instead, it becomes apparent that they're not interested in each other, but in each other's roles. So they make a deal and switch places. The pig herder puts on her dress and is to become the king's darling. And the princess puts on the herder's outfit and a tie and goes out you know, to play the big pot like a drum. And like this, they go out into the world. But society rejects them, however, and it ends badly for both of them. In the lyrics, these characters are sort of very much just going with the flow and they just want to be happy. But it's implied that they are killed or that something very bad happens to them for daring to switch places. The last line is partly a quote from the Bible. Uh, and the quote is, death in the pot. Uh, and death in the pot means basically certain death. Right. And during the whole song, they've been singing about a pan. So the last line is death in the pot to trade your pan, meaning it is certain death to challenge gender norms. Um, so Ooh. some really progressive and awesome lyrics, actually. And also jazz is fundamentally about breaking musical norms in a playful way. And this entry, like conceptually, paraphrases that in the lyrics by breaking by breaking linguistic norms in the wording, sort of making up words and and sort of morphing them, and also that way hiding that they're breaking gender norms in the meaning of those words, all done very very playfully. For me, this is like genuinely interesting, provocative, and thought provoking in a musically fun way, and I am very, very charmed, I'm sure. For me, this is pure genius, especially for its time. I don't know how they got away with it, but I <laughs> love it. Honestly, it has become one of my favorite entries of all time, and this should be much, much more of a classic than it actually is. I love it. Yeah, I would never come across it normally. It's not an obvious choice. You, do, you yeah. don't hear this on... It's because the meaning is so well hidden and coded, right? in sort of like nonsense Swedish. And like you would never think that they would be saying something so progressive in Eurovision. And it would, it would also explain why she has his back to him. It's not a sexual thing. They're not actually singing to each other. 
Oh, and you got all that from a three-minute Eurovision song. <laughs> you are amazing. You really are amazing. Uh, should we move on to the next one? Next. Where, <laughs> 1973. Um, this was the second Swedish song to be sung in English. The first one was 1965. And more notably, that was sung illegally because he decided to sing it in English on the big night without uh, allowing, being allowed to. And subsequently, that brought about the language rule change. But 1973, this song is called Your Summer, and in brackets, you never tell me no. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, he doesn't know about consent. <laughs> um, is that a literal translation from the Swedish? Yes. It yes, is. It okay, is. okay. Now, I, you know, I'm a very experienced breast person at my great <laughs> age. You know, I've had many years of breasting, but I've never yet come across a set that remotely resembles swallows and nestling. It must be a Swedish thing. Uh, no, I don't know. Like... Maybe it's a breastfeeding thing, like swallowing and breasts. I don't know. I've come across many that look like rocks in socks, which is far more poetic <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Of course, in the UK, we didn't have breasts uh, in 1973, especially before nine o'clock on a Saturday night. Breasts were illegal. And I'm struggling even now to think of a song in the modern era with the word tits in it. Can you think of a song with tits in it? No. There you go. I wouldn't want to. <laughs> We've got a male duo, Malta, winning MF. They changed their name to the Nova for Eurovision. No one seems to know why. Uh, they beat something called ABBA into a very distant third place. They were singing Ring Ring in Swedish. Have you heard the song that came second? Wasn't that ABBA? They came third. ABBA were third. What? Yeah, yeah. The, the song that came second was uh, not too far from winning. Uh, Lil Babs was fourth that year. She's back again. Can't get rid of her. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> MF continues to be cruel and unjust to this day. Let's play Your Summer. Monday morning, the streets are black with rain Under a sky that hovers sad and grey Tuesday waits down the endless dreary lane And every day is night beyond the day I am blue and I long for your caress Oh, your breasts are like swallows and nestling You're the summer I'm frozen you
So, yeah, you remove the breasts from that song and it's quite dull, isn't it? I mean, you could say that about a lot of things, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this might just be my interpretation. And I know it's supposed to be all like hippie trippy and flower power and well-intentioned. But, you know, I just don't trust straight white men, especially when said men are playing guitars and singing about how much, you know, they love this woman's breasts and how she never says no. Just too many red flags for me, man. (laughs) Sexualized, straight, sleaze masquerading as expression of freedom. You know, like, I'm a feminist because I love tits kind of vibe. Uh, I mean, not not me, obviously. I'm just paraphrasing. (laughs) If you say so, darling. So, yeah, not, not, not for me, not for me. Uh, I mentioned ABBA just then. So um, back in 1974, when ABBA were a UK one-hit wonder, you won't remember this because you weren't born, but I was. Waterloo was just phenomenal. I remember it well. Um, buying that uh, seven-inch on the Epic label, the yellow uh, Epic label, and watching it go round and round and round all day long on my gramophone. Of course, ABBA have masked over the uniqueness of their Eurovision win with loads of other amazing songs since, which have put Waterloo somewhat in the shadows. But back in 1974, oh, it was so exciting. It was the first group to win, the first Swedish song to win. Um, But I'm not going to lie, it's very frustrating knowing that next year's contest in 2024 is going to be the 50th anniversary of their winning Brighton. And we're going to be in Malmo, which is in Sweden. And apparently they don't want anything to do with it. Not even a walk on a wave or a special Eurovision wink. Of course not. Why not? Because they don't want anything to do with each other. It's not the Eurovision itself. Like they, like I said before, they hardly got together in the same room for their own (laughs) album. Like, so why would they do it for the Eurovision? Uh, yeah, they say it was a fantastic experience. Anyway, <laughs> when we've gone a few years, it's 1977. Now, Sweden have finished last twice in their 62 attempts. So giving light and shade, I've included this failure from 1977. It's the last time Sweden lost the Eurovision. They got two points from Germany. They got nothing from their Scandinavian neighbours in Norway or Finland. Now... If you listen to the other old podcasts that we've done, you'll know the 1977 show is one of my all-time favourites. All those songs sounded awesome. It was held in the United Kingdom at Wembley on the back of the UK's win the year before, and the Swedes thought they'd try and win favour by singing a song in praise of one of the UK's all-time favourite bands, the Beatles. So... Let's put that into context. That is like, for example, flip the coin over, the Brotherhood of Man, two boys, two girls, singing for the United Kingdom in Sweden a song called ABBA. Absolutely. Can can you see how wrong that is on every level? And they were punished, just two points. It's a wonderful lament to Ringo Starr, George, Paul and John, but having said all that... (sighs) I love this. I think it's a cracker. 
<laughs> and the group's called Forbes. Beatles call see music. Yesterday, what am I feeling? Actually, kind of iconic. <laughs> Go on, just say it. Just say it. Yeah, I mean, this is pure cringe. This is an embarrassment. <laughs> oh my god! I think this is possibly the worst lyrics I have ever heard. Like ever. Actually, a contender for the worst Eurovision song of all time. No, yes, come it on. Is. Oh not. yes, it is. You're it wrong. Is. It's just so weird that this guy who is way too old to be fangirling in this way like obsessing about the Beatles who are his age and alive at the time I'm I'm, I'm surprised they didn't put a restraining order on him <laughs> fuck it the lyrics aren't even like in a poetic way an homage to the Beatles it's basically going like you know I like the Beatles yesterday was really nice and they are good and they sold records <laughs> and everybody liked them yeah 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 like fuck you know <laughs> it's like what is I I mean, I don't need to say anymore. <laughs> uh, you, you've said quite enough, but yeah. I get you very well. 
Should we move on to the next <laughs> one then? Just on, really, 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 really quickly. 1984, Sweden won with what I consider the worst Eurovision song ever, that diggy diggy plop plop. And it amuses me that the juries of today are voting on four things. One, the composition and originality of song. Two, the quality of the performance on stage. Three, the vocal capacity of the performer. And finally, four, the overall impression of the act. So back in 1984, what the fuck were the jurors doing? Diggy-loo, diggy-lay. However, in 1985, we find ourselves in Gothenburg, which, according to the postcards that year, looks quite dull. <laughs> How dare they? Well, I don't know. I'm not from Gothenburg. I don't know. Uh, of course, it's the middle of the awful 1980s. Big hair and aerodynamic shoulder pads. And winning MF was lovely 33-year-old Kiki Danielson. Uh, returning to Eurovision, having finished eighth in 1982, duetting with the legendary Elizabeth Andreasson, with a song written by Lasse Holm and Ingela Plingforsman, who between them are guilty of enriching our lives with approximately one million three-minute Swedish Schlager songs, of which the next is a fine example. There's a lovely comment on YouTube. Quote, when I watch this song, death loses its sting. And uh, in Swedish, it is... Thank you very much. And the English version is Right Night for Loving. And at 71 years old in 2023, apparently she's still going strong and doing her thing. Here's some good vibrations. Det kan bli problem, ha 
Of its third place, absolutely. Well, what was the what was the title in English? I had no idea. What was it called? Right night for loving. Right night for loving. Yeah. And in Swedish, the the uh, title translates as good vibrations. So it's obviously about a dildo. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, <laughs> obviously. Uh, <laughs> oh, we're off. <laughs> Here we go. Prosecco is on. Um, <laughs> ah. I mean, I can't have an objective view on this because this is a bit of a classic in Sweden. So I have been conditioned to like it as such. You know, it's it's kind of part of the old cultural Eurovision furniture in Sweden. Uh, it might as well be listed in an, in an IKEA catalog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, so is it great music? Maybe not, but it's really fun. It's a classic. Hey ho, let's go! Well, Sweden were on fire in the eighties. Well, the 80s were very tacky and cheesy, which suited the Swedes perfectly, you know what I mean? They gave us a feast of great songs, and coming up we have the 1989 champion effort, performed by a huge amount of blonde hair, under which, if you look closely enough, you'll eventually find handsome 29-year-old Tommy Nilsson. It's called One Day. One day, when our roads will meet, we will understand each other. Um, This came forth, uh, and as far as I'm concerned... It was far better than the songs that beat it. Um, got three sets of 12 points, Denmark, Yugoslavia and Austria. And it got nothing from Finland, which I'm quite happy about. Cha-cha-cha. Mm. <laughs> 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 oh, the live version is fantastic. This, if we play the studio version, I'm not sure what we're going to play. Um, studio version is not as good, but in the live version... The veins in his neck pop out towards the end and I get really excited.
sorry, Whisper Bar. That was the studio version. So you don't really get how amazing his voice was from that version, do you? Or do you? You don't, do you? You no. do not, no. And you know what? I think this is one of my, like, m- more favorite Swedish entries. You know, the song itself is, like, standard 90s, sorry, standard 80s kind of Eurovision fair. But I really, really like how Tommy Nilsson sings. He sounds like kind of a soulful, hard rock singer. The song is basically a vehicle for his voice. And for me, he really nails it live. I love the timbre on his voice and his technique and stuff. And, um, you know, he is vocally selling and I am absolutely buying. I thought this was a great entry. And the backing singers? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Uh, so it's that's a bit strange because all of his backing singers are kind of famous artists in their own right. It's very strange to have a lineup of artists that are maybe even more famous than Tommy Nilsson is. Really? Yeah. <laughs> At the time, they probably were. Right then, by some... Uh, where are we? Ah! 1993. Now, maybe you don't remember this, but um, the MF of 1993 was a very much scaled-down version of the Eternal Beast that it is today. And I remember listening to those five super final songs at the time and thinking that four of them were absolutely shit and there was only ever going to be one winner and sure enough, getting a clean sweep of maximum votes from all the regional juries was four-piece Don Spond... Arvingana. Arvingana. A pop masterpiece by the masterful hand of the master of pop, Lassa Holm. This song has popped up several times on our Desert Island Dish shows. Remember? Yeah. I can still picture our lovely late Daniel Good masturbating along to this <laughs> in his room back in 1993. It finished only seventh and it didn't get one set of 12 points. Uh, and to make matters worse, it got up. Absolutely nothing from the next door neighbours in Norway. Hmm. But that's okay because Norway, who came fourth that year, got nothing from Sweden, of course. This would never happen in a Eurovision of today. Here's Eloise! Eller vill du att jag ska 
actually, I remember 1993, I was working in a restaurant and I was talking to one of the waiters saying uh, that the Swedish song was going to win 1993. And my conversation was overheard by another one of the waiters who told his dad, who was a gambler, who put money on it. And um, yeah, we, uh, we, we lost our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to say, okay. 1993 was not a great time for me growing up in Sweden. During that time, there was kind of a resurgence of extreme right racism. Uh, and it sort of permeated the region I lived in, in the south of Sweden. And, you know, I think I internalized that and projected some of that on Arviona. Because, you know, <laughs> honestly, I mean, they look very sort of blonde and Aryan, like, you know, like Hitler Jugend dressing up as Elvis. Uh, you know, <laughs> as far as I know, they have nothing to do with any of that. Actually, they're from Gothenburg, which is traditionally very left wing. So it took for me like to leave Sweden and get some distance from all of that to realize what a banger this is you know this is actually a really fun song and one of sweden's best like ever uh it's super kitsch and retro and retro uh but it has like this sort of very becoming sincerity to it it's just not it's not too much and not too little it's just right it's logom like you say in sweden well i really thought just we were gonna enough. win i mean yeah if sweden would have won that year i would not be complaining the song is like it's the 50s in the 90s and in just the right amounts um, it feels timeless and his vocals are great. I, I really like it. He got a great voice. They came back in uh, uh, to MF in 2019 with a song called I Do. Yeah, I Sadly, they didn't, did they? No. No. I... <laughs> hey! Where are we? It's 1996. If only Eurovision was in December, then this would be the perfect Christmas carol. Now, you don't get many songs about snow in May. The English version of Den Vilda is the Wilderness Mistress. I heard this for the first time, the English version, the other day, and it might as well have been in Swedish because I understood absolutely nothing. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because it's stunningly beautiful. And if I moan that some Swedish songs that have won are bad songs and equally there are many Swedish songs that have been underrated which kind of tips the balance of which this is a classic example Nana Granval Nana Granval yeah thank you and Maria Radsten mm -hmm. I said it right looking very haunting and mysterious in their long matching black hair and their grey outfits now 1996 do you, well maybe you don't remember this was this was this year this very strange audio only qualifying round, which Sweden won. They got, very easily, they got 10 sets of 12 points from the various nations, and they beat eventual winners, Ireland, by 29 points. However, on the big night, once the running order had changed and the visuals kicked in, they got one set of 12 points, and they came third, 62 points adrift from the eventual Irish winners, which is so weird. There's a big difference there, and I'm sure had Martin Osterdahl been in charge back then, he would have been able to disqualify some of those folks to allow the Swedish win. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Martin. Cheers, Martin. <laughs> Dansar som virvlar i ett vattenfall 
rock hard look at that <laughs> okay so there are definitely quite prominent elements of Enya in this production uh, but for me the song still retains a Swedish folk identity that comes across really beautifully uh, the lyrics are about a man who dances with the wild one in his house during a winter and then leaves his home forever in a carriage by the time the snow starts to melt away. Now, he could be talking about an affair or he could be like dancing with a spirit or something. Uh, just like folklore, it kind of toes the line between the mundane and the supernatural. Um, I love it. A great Eurovision entry and one of Sweden's best. How'd you top that? <laughs> Give me a love. You're asking the wrong person. I don't know how to top anything. <laughs> 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 Give me a love. No, I'm not tips. That's the title of our next song. <laughs> so we find ourselves in 2003 and easily winning MF was a duo called Fame. Lovely Jessica and lovely Magnus who met at the Swedish Fame Academy back in 2002, hence the name Fame. Now, I'll be honest, you loathe this with a passion, don't you? Yeah, I know you hate it. <laughs> Why are you even? How are you saying that before you even play it? Well, no, because we mentioned it in our last Swedish podcast. Oh, we did you, the you, you sat there with green steam coming out of your nostrils. So, did you play this at the last Swedish podcast? Then we mentioned it. Oh, we only mentioned it, yes. and just by the mention of it, yeah. I... 
Yeah, yeah okay, I, so, so... It's been retained in my memory. Fine, fine, fine. Well, this is true because I was going to open my comments after the song saying, saying, saying like this, like, how dare you? How very dare you <laughs> call this show the best of Sweden and then select this absolute trash... How dare you? This is one of those typically Swedish Eurovision songs of which there have been so many over the years. I can think of five or six songs uh, like this, which are basically a remix of each other. This is the sort of happy, clappy, poppy, mm. ABBA-esque style yes. dated mm. shite. You know, um, this came fifth. They got one set of 12 points from Romania, obviously. And there's a lot of mismatch going on here. We've got these two pretty decent singers are going to cough with mm. a trite song. But what they did beautifully was they nailed the ability to duet. Their charisma was was astonishing, and it can be very problematic on the big Eurovision stage to have that uh, connection, as we've discovered many years since then. Anyway, let's play this wonderful song.
Just do it. Just do it. I mean, I, music for no one. Like, I, <laughs> I don't think the artist who sang this even liked it. Like you said, it's 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 giving ABBA, but also kind of like Shania Twain, but the B side. You know, um, it's just so derivative, formulaic, and vomit-inducing. You touched on this. Um, Sweden were stuck in this kind of bastardized ABBA schlager rut for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Even though Melody Festival modernized after this and really changed a lot, the winners for for several consecutive years were all still like schlager sounding. Friends, yeah. blondes. I mean, even the arc was like kind of boogie-oogie, dance-punch-schlager kind of thing. That kind of brings us li- nicely to the next entry because it wasn't until 2009 that Sweden had its first non-schlager winner in ages. <laughs> How can you say that? Um, the interesting fact here... That is not schlager. This next one? Yeah. It isn't schlager, but it is still Swedish. So interesting fact here. So Sweden were randomly drawn fourth in the final. They got their worst results for a very long time, coming 21st, making it only the second time that Sweden had failed to hit the top 20. The other time was 1992 with um, Christa Bjorkman. Now, was that because of the running order, or which I'm going to get to shortly, or was it because of the song? Now, Marlena Erlman... As wonderful as she can sing, might not be the most natural performer, and her smile is both infectious and terrifying. And it's a difficult song to stage. Those dancers did her no favours. But if it's if it's camp you want, it's here in abundance. Her frock costs thirty-seven and a half thousand euros, and she looked absolutely stunning. But I'm sure her six-year-old daughter Greta would disapprove of that right now, wouldn't she? <laughs> absolutely. I listened to this twice the other day, once after the other. Ooh. No, hide knives, hide the knives. Lavoie.
hatchet wheeling all the way from that start to oh, finish. Yeah. You can sing that better than her. And do you know, <laughs> since the language rule changed in 1999, all Sweden's songs have been in English, apart from that one, which is a hybrid of English and French. Not mm-hmm. A sniff of Swedish. I know it's a it's it's a shame. It's a national it's a sh- shame. Sh- sh- yes, uh, but I will defend this song until the day I die. <laughs> Tomorrow, then. <laughs> yeah, right now, maybe. Uh, uh, you know, I loved it during Melody Festival and when it won, and I still love that version, Melody Festival version. Um, so back to the point we were making before about Sweden being stuck in Schlager hell. I don't think SVT expected this to win Melody Festival and because the backing vocals in the Swedish national final were basically pre-recorded operatic voices, you know, and th- it made her operatic voice blend really well, like on the nights, you know, but that is basically impossible to transfer to Eurovision when pre-recorded backing vocals were not allowed, right? Uh, so in the Eurovision, her voice really st- stood out in a harsh way against the kind of soft pop backing vocals that didn't were not strong enough to blend her voice, you know? It, so it was jarring. Also, the pre-recorded opera backing vocals allowed for a lot more movement from the dancers in the national final. Uh, so so the, the staging was so much more dynamic and the staging was also like very over the top and placed in this kind of strange world where operatic formality met theatrical surrealism. Uh, and it really worked. I think that the producers were were thinking that this was going to be like a weird little thing that was maybe going to place fifth or sixth or something like that. They never expected it to win, so they just didn't think about it. They just went crazy and had fun with it, right? So when it won in Eurovision, I think they tried to like tone it down and make it more pop and normal and they just didn't go with the insanity of it so it just didn't work at the Eurovision it felt like a bit like kitsch but not kitsch enough you know not crazy it didn't you didn't have fun with it it was just weird so Sweden had not yet learned how to transfer from Melody Festival into the Eurovision stage which is something they do very well now now they They, do they they completely just uh, and now they're also very good at manipulating who's going to win of course, and as I say, the draw coming forth on stage did her no favours, and they got one of their worst results in 2009. We're going to skip here to 2010, when is the only time Sweden have failed to qualify from the semi-final stages. Poor old Anna... Bergendahl. Yeah, and her song, This Is My Life. Uh, and she didn't qualify from the semi-final, and that's with getting neighbourly 12 points from both Denmark and hosts... Norway removed those points from her, and I think she would have lost. Um, so she didn't get to. She loved it. She didn't get to sing at Eurovision, but she gets to do the next best thing, which is a day out here in Limehouse. Um, she's tried MF three times since to try to redeem herself, but her atonement remains unsuccessful. But the Swedes were very ruthless back in 2010, weren't they? Yes. Let's play the song. You can tell us all about it. Down the beaten track Along the river With an empty bag At the end She said to me Why are you here 
life indeed Anna um you know on 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 the one hand it annoys me that a guy with a guitar in eurovision will usually do really well with a worse song and a worse performance than this uh people shit on this quite a bit but it's not that bad like uh having said that however uh there's almost something estonian about this entry it's almost like an estilal winner rather than a swedish representative there's something quite conservative about the entry and yet the staging is too much of everything for a song like this and also somehow not enough like you either go full-on superficial cheese like you know paulina gagarina like a million voices which is a little bit like this but like It, it does its thing much better. Uh, or you tone it down and make it a lot more intimate. You know, Tom Dice style. So this was like in the middle and it didn't really work. And although I really like her voice, she is really overselling those meaningless lyrics in quite a jarring way. <laughs> like she's doing that like Susie Izzard thing where to seem like you mean something that doesn't mean anything you first like nod your head to confirm it and then you shake your head to deny it you know <laughs> confirm 
and deny. And he does that through the entire song, and it just comes off so fake. So Sweden hit a bit of a dip. Okay, they won in 2012, but in 2013, the EBU... Did they win in 2012? Yes, Lorene, yes. But in 2013, the EBU changed the rules and started to allocate each country its running order instead of drawing lots from a hat, supposedly to give light and shade to the running order, which is fair enough. But it's very interesting to note, and this is very interesting. Are you listening to this? No. <laughs> then, listen, then listen to it. Since this allocation malarkey has been in place for the last 10 years, mm-hmm. Sweden have not performed in the first third of the lineup. Now, come on, tell me that's not rigged. That's, yeah. that, you know, when you consider the battle that Albania, Czech Republic, Portugal, and many other countries get year in, year out, why is it that Sweden, um, I think ninth is the first uh, um, the earliest? <clears throat> Sorry, I raised my voice. Yeah. yeah, and that was this year with uh, Lorene. It's a joke. Anyway, um, moving on to 2022, and we have a goodie from Sweden winning MF and ending a run of male soloists. We've got lovely 30 year old Cornelia. Jacobs, mm-hmm. with uh, her fantastic track, Hall McClawster. Now, she tried to represent Sweden before as part of the group Love Generation back in 2012 Oof. and 2011. Oof. I think she'd rather forget that. Yeah, well, she did very, 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 very badly. Do you remember that group? Uh, flashes in my nightmares, maybe. <laughs> you just like flashes, don't you, basically? <laughs> I thought the performance of this was a bit wrong. She should have started on a stool with a bottle of whiskey or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Instead of scrolling all over the floor. <laughs> I kind of like it. Did you like that? <laughs> um, she came fourth, and this is... A, I've, had to, I've worked this out with my little ca- uh, calculator. Mm-hmm. Sweden's 27th top five result out of 62 songs since 1958. 44% of Sweden's songs finish in the top five. I'm looking at your face. You look pissed as a fart right now. Can you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, I actually Thank you can. very much. Yes, I am. Listening. Play Cornelia. Yes, here we go, Connie. <laughs> yes, Daddy. No need to apologise Cos there's nothing to regret Well, this is not what I wanted Cause all the good things come to an end So baby, bye-bye Wish you the best But most of all I wish that I could love you less Well maybe you're right I'll find someone else You say it isn't me But when did that ever help? This way for anyone And that's why it scares you to death So baby, bye-bye Though it's for the best So I can see how that would ease the pain in my chest
Is it going to end? Oh, yes, okay. Hold me close, love. What do you reckon? <laughs> so unlike you, I actually really like the staging of the song. I interpret it as, as like she was like drunk, laying on the floor, singing into a hairbrush, leaning on her wardrobe door. And her appearance on the Eurovision stage, the audience and the cameras, they're actually just all in her drunken imagination. So I really like the concept more than the song. You know, it's not, it's not a bad song, but it's just not really my thing. Uh, also, there's something about the growl in her voice that feels a bit forced to me. Like she wants there to be more distortion in her voice than what she actually has. And you mentioned she was in this kind of pop band, Love Generation, where you don't sing with growl at all. So this kind of like alternative <laughs> vibe she has feels really put on, to be honest. That's our last song that's flown by. Um, I'm sorry if we didn't get a chance to play your favourite Swedish song. We should do an MF Eurobliss sometime. Oh, what do you reckon? so up for that. Because uh, I don't know much about it. You know more than I do. You'd have to do more notes than me. Yeah, can I mean, I could that? present it and you could... We could do like a, uh, a and I can, we could, Yeah, I can pitch the songs and you can... Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's easy to do. Oh, I'm wincing already, do you know what I mean? Now, if Sweden win next year as well, our... Tribute to Sweden is going to be like picking dead fish out of the water, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Uh, anyway, thank you as ever for joining us and uh, bearing with us. I hope you found a sense of belonging and fulfilment in all those lovely, lovely songs. I know I certainly have of you. Oh, absolutely. I found some treasures to be honest. <laughs> You look absolutely trash right now. Your eyes are going crossed. <laughs> <laughs> We've missed Mark in this one, but he'll be back soon for the next one, okay? Happy Eurobliss, everyone. Bye! Bye.